You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. According to the New York Times, Beyonce's new album Renaissance has black queer bravado. What it no longer has is the word spaz. Disabled people don't like the word spaz. Spaz is bad. Black queer bravado is good. That's the world we live in now. The first words spoken on Beyonce's album are please mother effers. She repeats the phrase over and over again, adding ain't stopping me. Mofos ain't stopping Beyonce, and neither are black people. Beyonce is enjoying her right to denigrate, embarrass, and trash black people. She has black queer bravado. Welcome, uh, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Tuesday to you and yours. Hopefully on this Tuesday, you have black queer bravado as well. I'm wishing you uh, black queer bravado. <laughs> anyway, we have a fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Uh, Delano Squires, Professor D, the smartest man on the show, will be here uh, shortly to help me talk about Beyonce and black queer bravado and other things. Uh, Shamika Michelle. She's gonna help me make it make sense of Beyonce, but also, more importantly, you guys ever heard of a, an event called Swim Thick? Swim Thick, that's S-W-I-M, Thick. Uh, it's an event that I guess has gone on in Houston for about eight years. I think they've taken the event to Atlanta. Uh, it's a lot of fat people in a pool, Swim Thick. Uh, well. <laughs> I'm gonna have Shamika Michelle make it make sense. And then I'm going to end today's show by dangerously commenting on the passing of Bill Russell. You don't wanna miss the ending of this show. All right, but uh, as we like to do here, we'll start uh, with a fire. Uh, you know what, before I uh, mention the fire, before I get to the fire, I'd like for you uh, guys on youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock, to hit that subscription button, hit those likes, get the likes up. Uh, also, I'd like for you, on a scale of nine to 10, if you could punch into the chat, how good do I look? On a scale of nine to 10 right now, how good do I look right now? <laughs> it's gotta be at least a nine and a half. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's get to this fire starter. I've had a little fun. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, give me that five star review. You guys, you know you owe it to me. All right. Uh, let's get this party started. Uh, the first words spoken on Beyonce's new album are, please, mother effers. She repeats the phrase over and over again, adding, ain't stopping me, please, mother effers ain't stopping me. Renaissance. Her seventh studio album is explicitly crude and profane. 
A New York Times reviewer described the 40-year-old singer's 16-song collection as steeped in black queer bravado. Wesley Morris, the Pulitzer Prize-winning reviewer, uh, never defined black queer bravado. The reader is left to assume that queer bravado is as endemic to black people as full lips, wide noses, nappy hair, and obscene music. Beyonce, the so-called heir to Aretha Franklin's title as the Queen of Soul, has more in common with Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion than the icon who demanded R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. Beyonce symbolizes the catastrophic descent of black culture and America's indifference to its fall. Renaissance is controversial for its use of the word spaz, not the filth spewed by a middle-aged married mother of three. Expectations have fallen so low for American black people that no one expects Beyonce to mature or make music that uplifts black folk. No, our only expectation is that she contains her penchant for degeneracy and denigration to black people. That explains why Beyonce will eliminate the word spaz from her latest album. Disability rights advocates complained that the singer's use of the word spaz in the song Heated is a slur against people with cerebral palsy. Spastic diplegia causes motor impairment in the arms and legs. The phrase spazzing out is mocking what happens to people with spastic diplegia. I learned all that this morning when I heard the pop singer was editing the song. I did not know the etymology of spaz. Now I do. I'm not sure I care, but at least now I know. What I find fascinating about all of this is that people with cerebral palsy care more about policing the way they're portrayed in the entertainment and media world than black people. We're the only group with absolutely no standard. The entire rap music industry is built on the use of the N-word. It is used repeatedly in nearly every successful commercial rap song. Rappers brag about killing, raping, robbing, dissing. No one cares. Beyonce uses the N-word in heated. No one cares. Every minority group aggressively polices how they're characterized in music, television and movies, except black people. In 1995, if you remember, Michael Jackson, the greatest force in the history of music, released the song, They Don't Care About Us, on the album, His Story. It was a protest song. It decried racism. It argued that the government and the power elite only pretend to care about the great mass of humanity. The song included the lyrics, Jew me, sue me, Everybody do me, kick me, kike me, don't you black or white me. On June 15, 1995, Bernard Reinwab wrote a piece in the New York Times suggesting that Jackson's use of the words Jew me and kike me were anti-Semitic. Eight days later, after issuing two apologies, Jackson agreed to rewrite the song, eliminating the offending words. On the same song, the rapper Notorious B.I.G. used the N-word twice. Bernard Weinrob did not care about that. Neither did anyone else. We don't care about us. No one does. 
I don't blame non-blacks. If we don't care, why should they? Jewish people care how they're represented. Would they canonize a rap group called Kikes with Attitude? Would the LGBTQ plus Alphabet Mafia canonize a rap group Dykes with Attitude? Does the Alphabet Mafia let anyone drop the F word in casual conversation? See, Jewish people have self-respect. The LGBTQ crowd has more, has more respect for itself than black people. We have allowed popular music to define black men as criminals and black women as hoes. Our men sell drugs and our women twerk at the sound of music the way dogs howl when they hear a siren. Maybe that's what black queer bravado is. Or maybe it's not caring how you're represented in popular culture. Maybe it's not having a standard of conduct and behavior. Beyonce has black queer bravado. She instantly bowed to the disability rights advocates while promoting degeneracy for black people. She don't really care about us. That's my fire. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it's so funny, Delano sent me a text uh, this morning after uh, reading my mono and goes, man, we cover the same issues a lot. And uh, uh, Delano has written a column about uh, the lady the graduate at FAMU that put out a naked picture of herself celebrating her graduation and used it to make a similar point as me. So uh, we're gonna talk about both of our, my mono, my fire starter, my column, and Delano's column. Uh, Delano, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, I, I wanna start here. Do you have a problem or do you think Beyonce has done the right thing here by removing the word spaz uh, from her song? And should we, as black people perhaps, uh, take notes on how the uh, disabled community polices the way it's represented and maybe apply the same standards to ourselves? Jason, I think that removing the, the word spaz is an act of cowardice um, along the lines of what Macy Gray did when she went on her apology tour for accurately describing what a woman is, and what we've seen a number of artists do when they got crossways with some other um, special rights or special interest group. So th the thing is, when, when I read the columns about it, um, the, the backstory, it seems as if spaz is more of a derogatory term in the United Kingdom and not in the United States. So I'm not even sure why Beyonce is caving to you know, folks across the channel, across the, the Atlantic Ocean, as it relates to a particular term that people use. They just say, you know, you spazzed out, you, you know, and, and, and people with cerebral palsy are not the only people who have involuntary movements, you know, in, in muscle movements. So I'm not surprised because these people are cowards. They, they are afraid of getting canceled by their own. But to your point, they never apply those same standards to the communities that they claim to represent. Um, we saw this, I think, last year with the baby, who made a couple jokes or references that people thought were about the LGBTQ community and HIV. I told my sister, I said, give him three days. He's going to be apologizing. And this is a guy, Jason, who shot a man in Walmart, right, in self-defense. But he, he quickly 
learned what time it was. He apologized. He went on the apology tour. So I, I do wish that um, black consumers had uh, were as ruthless about enforcing standards of behavior and conduct and how our public image is portrayed as other groups are with theirs. And the thing is, we used to be like this. When I say we, I mean black folk. Um, the better part of the 20th century was not just a fight for civil rights, it was a fight for the black public image. And black people were, they criticized that film, I think in 1921, The Birth of a Nation, fought against black exploitation, uh, fought against you know uh, negative images of black men and black women. And, and Jason, as we've talked about many times, the civil rights movement, when you look at those black and white photos, you see people with dignity and self-respect right? They wore their suits, they wore their Sunday best every day of the week, and they carried themselves with a particular level of, of, of dignity. Um, and they demanded that other people respect that. But somehow, once we got into the 1990s and the advent of gangster rap, and now into the 2020s, and I talk about my column with, with Whorehop, um, all of those standards have been completely eliminated. And now the, there's, no, there's nothing that artists in our community won't do to sell a record. I don't know if you had a chance to read Wesley Morris's New York Times review of Beyonce's mm -hmm. album, but no, he yet. described it as having uh, steeped in black queer bravado. Mm -hmm. And he never fully defined it or never even made an attempt to define it. It was almost like, so everybody knows what black queer bravado is. Black people have that in spades. And do you know what black queer bravado is? I, I've what he's never to heard there. Yeah, I, I've never heard um, those three words strung together in that way. M my sense is that it's about the um, boldness and unapologeticness of black, you know, gay, lesbian, and trans people, right? So it's, hey, it, it's it's Sunday brunch. If we want to twerk. If we want to turn up at, at a drag brunch, then we're going to do that. We don't care who sees it. We don't care if white people disapprove. We don't even care if other black people disapprove. We're going to do what we want, where we want, when we want, how we want. Um, that, that, that would be my guess. Um, and, and we've seen that, right? We've, we've seen the culture go from having a closet in which people say, look, we, we, we know, you know, Aunt Mabel, right? She dressing, she dresses like a lumberjack. We know that she's not into men. But there's just certain things that she doesn't do around here. She doesn't bring her girlfriend to grandma's house for Thanksgiving. And everybody, there was a certain truce that was there. But then the doors of the closet got blown off. Um, you know, the gays and lesbians came out and the Christians went in. And now black queers have bravado and uh, black Christians sit in silence. <laughs> you made a marvelous point. The, the, and, this will be a good segue because it dovetails with the piece you wrote, but I'm so frustrated with how popular music, pop culture has defined black men as criminal and black women as twerk machines and hoes. And, mm -hmm. and I see this in the young girl at FAMU. She just, she graduates from a very respected HBCU and the first thing she thinks is, let me showcase my body rather than my mind. And how, how did we get here? That, and, and again, I, I, I 
guess I'm offering an opinion on how we got here. The culture and popular culture has driven us uh, to this place where that's how we see ourselves as twerk machines and drug dealers uh, and even college graduates are uh, now celebrating themselves uh, with nudity and, and you know putting their best twerk forward uh, rather than their best foot forward and, and I loved your term uh, junkie pox that we, we've got a bad case of junkie pox that has afflicted black people and black culture but I, I don't want anyway connect help, help me understand and, and elaborate on the column you wrote today sure I mean I, I think that there's a straight line from um, I think probably the oldest artist I talk about in my column was Little Kim, right? So people who follow hip hop remember Little Kim. She was associated with Notorious B.I.G., Junior Mafia, Bad Boy, and you know she had an album cover where you know she was scantily clad. Now at that time, she, compared to today, she was actually overdressed because you know her, her breasts and her butt were covered. But you went from you know Little Kim. And Foxy Brown, they were contemporaries in the in '90s, and then you move into the to the 2000s, um, and and then you have other artists, uh, both R&B and and rap, who again sell sex, sell sexuality. Um, by the time you get to Nicki Minaj in the early 2000s, and and she had an album cover or a song, a single called Anaconda, where she was sort of squatting down with a, with her fake butt uh, towards the camera. Right. Then you go to, to Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, and they had Song of the Year a couple years ago with WAP. And, and then you get Lizzo on the scene who takes it to another level because now she's the queen of body positivity. So she shows up um, to the Staples Center, the Lakers game with, with her, with her um, bottom hanging out. And people rush to the Internet and say, well, this is skinny women been doing this for years and this is Lizzo's turn and body positivity. So I, I draw a line there, when I, and what I say is that you, you had a, a, a cultural disorder, right? Not unique to black people, because this is not about race, this is about culture, that could have been addressed in the 1990s, but it wasn't, and it just spread and metastasized. And now you get to the 2020s, and again, someone like Lizzo is celebrated. Now Lizzo is a really great flute player, a flautist, I think that's what it's called, but nobody cares about that because all she does is post pictures of herself bending over on tables at games with, with her butt out. Th and then she cry claims to be the victim when people criticize her. So my, my point is fairly simple. When you, when you have uh, a, a group, a family, an institution, uh, an organization, a community, a culture, a country in which standards of behavior are not enforced, right, and bad behavior is not policed, those things will only spread. In the same way, Jason, I know you're a healthy eater now. If you go to the store and you get a pack of strawberries and there's one of them that's moldy in the middle, if you do not remove it, all the rest of them are around that moldy strawberry will be contaminated. It never works the other way. So if you have one moldy strawberry in a pack of 10, the other nine do not, do not magically fix the one. The one infects the, the other nine. And, and that young lady, Terika Starr from FAMU, has been infected. She's got a full-blown case of junkie pox where the women who came before her told her, if you want fame and attention and notoriety, the best way to do it is to shake your breast and show your butt. And, and that's how you get affirmed as a black woman in the United States of America. So uh, 
all of it is about public spectacle and, and the desire for the high of attention and affirmation. And what I said in the column is that she had some other videos, because she doesn't have a, a huge Instagram presence. She had some other videos in which she was going up to, to random men on the street and saying, kiss or diss. So basically, hey, do you think I'm hot or do you think I'm not? And these guys are telling her to twirl around, they're looking at her butt, they're kissing on her neck. And I'm just saying to myself, this does not seem like a girl who's who's been loved by a father or for that matter, a mother and who feels confident in herself. She's going out seeking affirmation um, because she she doesn't understand that she was created in God's image and has more to offer the world than than her her bare bum. The other thing I thought you did very well that applies to what I wrote and what I've talked about is you, that like for black people, we police the brand of sororities and fraternities. You, mm -hmm. you made the point that like uh, these television networks tried to do a sorority show that's like a desperate housewives for sorority people and the black sororities drew a line in the sand, no you won't. And so it's like, it's like, well, with this sorority, we're going to be very protective. We're going to draw a line in the sand, and we're going to stop you. But as it relates to black people, do whatever you want. Do what thou wilt. We, we got nothing to say. I, I just don't understand how a sorority, a fraternity, a Greek organization protecting that brand is more important than protecting the reputation image of black people. So I... Um, I remember when that whole sorority sister thing went down. Um, at that time, uh, I'm ashamed to say loving hip hop was a guilty pleasure of mine, right? And I remember thinking to myself, okay, this is going to be interesting. And I remember in real time seeing people like, you know, Roland Martin, Ava DuVernay stand up and say, nope, we are not allowing this. You are not going to uh, degrade and diminish and disparage the reputation of these historical institutions. And I, and I think that's a good thing, right? You, you should care about your institutions, but the problem is these people on one hand try to claim that anytime something bad happens to a black person, particularly at the hands of a white person, that that black person is representative of all of us, right? When an individual black person does something wrong, they say that black person is representative of themselves as an individual. But when an individual black person does something noteworthy, like becomes the first you know, black president, then again, it's back to representing all of us. So the, the black elite, the aristocracy, they pick and choose when representation matters. And one of the things that's obvious is that when it comes to their fraternities and sororities, and when it comes to HBCUs, they are uh, very concerned about policing the image of both of those things. And again, I think that's a good thing, right? I think people who, who care about institutions should police behavior that, that represents those institutions. The problem is these same people turn around and write op-eds about why it's cool to tarnish the image, the public image of black people on these very same networks. So they'll start, I mentioned Kay Michelle, who's a, a you know, an R&B singer of some note, who was a star in Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, and then publicly criticized sorority sisters because she's also a, men, men, a member of Delta Sigma Theta. So the, the black elite have shown that policing behavior is possible and that they specifically know how to do it. 
It's just that they choose not to do it in this instance because they know that it would take too much bread out of the mouths of too many people. Jason, if, if we, and I said this in the column, if, if the cultural capital and, and social influence of Cardi B and Snoop Dogg will swap with that of Clarence Thomas and Condoleezza Rice, our children will grow up in a community where they, were exp- where they would be exposed to a lot more political thought and a lot less cultural rot. Uh, but we do the complete opposite. The black cultural immune system is calibrated to repel any right of center political thought and to accept degradation, destruction, and dysfunction as completely normal. So it just, it flows through the body politic without any challenge or anything. And, and a lot of people, black conservatives included, what they'll, they'll cape up and say, no, 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 but white people listen to rock music and that doesn't represent all of them. Well, my thing is this, one, this is, the, this is one of the only times where they start to sound like all lives matter people because they, they can't deal with any sort of sustained critique of black culture, right? And, and, and two, it's, it's one of these things where, again, if, if you don't police behavior, it's just going to get uh, uh, you know, progressively worse. And, and that's what we see. We've, it's been 30 years since C. Dolores Tucker and Calvin Butts took their steamroller to the streets and ran over a bunch of hip hop CDs. And the artists at the time said, F you elders, right? We don't care what you say. And we as a community went with the artists. And now we're having to deal with daughters who think that getting on OnlyFans is, a, is, a, is an accomplishment. So the same thing black parents had to do in the 90s, which is to keep their kids out of the gangs, their boys out of the gangs, is what they're having to do in the 2020s, which is to keep their girls off the stripper poles. The, the, the thing, and, and I saw this on your uh, Twitter feed this morning when, when you pointed out the Beyonce deal in terms of, of the disabled rights advocates understand that every word matters. And, and I point out here that the Jewish community as it relates to Michael Jackson, every word matters. You're not, even though Michael's intent wasn't to disparage or whatever, mm-hmm. we're just not allowing those words. But when it comes to us and anything said about black people, well, it's rap and music, it's all just a fantasy world. Every, you, you gotta raise your own kids and you can't worry about, you know. And right. look, I grew up listening, I love this the whole thing when people say, Man, I grew up listening to music, and I'm I'm perfectly fine. It didn't it didn't hurt me, and 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 I've said to people all the time, I was like, yeah, and you know, you grew up eating fast food, and you're not overweight. Mm-hmm. I grew up eating fast food, and I'm overweight, and no one's gonna convince me that fast food is healthy. It's not. It's over, and there's overwhelming proof that it's not, and no one will convince me that these these songs. I, Boy, I, I tell you, I just don't think people understand the importance and the influence of music and, mm-hmm. and just how there's no other form of communication that 30 years from now, or, and again, I've lived long enough, I can remember the songs that I sung when I was 15 years old on the radio, and it instantly takes my mind back to where I was when I first heard it, or it reminds me of a girl or a time in my life or anything like that, music leaves an indelible imprint on your yes. soul. 
And we are kidding ourselves if we think that having four, five, six, seven, and eight-year-olds that know every word of WAP isn't going to have an indelible impact on their soul and, and change what they believe is normal behavior, what they perceive is normal behavior. And I, I look at all the twerking and, and all, just everything, all the debauchery, it's all been normalized. It's like, we're, and again, that's when we're sitting here wondering why there are a group of people that think taking your kids to drag shows right. is normal and healthy. This was a 30, 40 year process getting your mind to that point. And many people's minds have been brought to that point that, you know, yeah, kids need to know about this drag queen stuff. We just don't realize how our minds have been perverted through popular culture, music, television, movies, the whole nine yards, and we just yeah. want to write it all off as harmless, and it's just not. Jason, you, you had a guest on here um, some time ago, a pastor named G. Craig Lewis, right? Um, I, I know G. Craig Lewis. I, I, saw, I first saw him at a church youth convention many, many, many years ago. And I remember sitting there, this is before I was saved, and he was, this was a youth convention. So when he got up, and he, you know he's big on the influence of music and hip hop and so on and so forth. And he just started with one line of a song. And I'm not Shamika Michelle, I'm gonna try my best. He said, ooh, and all of us responded, I'm gonna sex you up, right? Now we were, I was, maybe I was, 15 when that happened. But again, the music had already left its mark. And one, one of my frustrations with the, the talking heads, the influencers, the leadership classes of the black community, left and right, is how phony they are. Because these are people who think that it is a, a, it's time to start World War III when they hear a white fan repeat the lyrics in Paris. Now, the, the artists who make the words get a, get a pass, but when white fans repeat the words that the artists speak, then, then that's you know, a, a, a capital offense. So my, my thing is this, I, I, I know when these people are not being genuine, because you, you, you made this point earlier, the only time they want to talk about the importance of family is when you're criticizing hip hop. Then it's, well, everybody got to raise their own kids and so on and so on and so forth. Same thing. They don't understand that different, um, you know, stimuli have a different effect on people. Same, we went through this with COVID. Two people could get the disease because of their immune system, their age, their comorbidities, right? In, in the culture, that's, do you have two parents, two loving parents at home, mine in the store? Do you have a larger community that's looking after you? Is, is your neighborhood saturated with violence? where the line between art and life is completely blurred. All of those things impact how music lands with a person. So it's, it's not just, oh, we, we can't listen to the music. The problem is when we try to live the music and that has an effect on, on black kids in a way that it doesn't on white kids because when white kids engage in behavior that's seen as stereotypically black, we have terms for that. We grow, wigger, so on and so forth. But when black kids do that, we see them as authentic. And, and that's why 50 Cent is seen as a more authentic black man than Wayne Brady. 
right? So the, 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 the black elite, again, are completely phony. And one of my biggest frustrations is the, the elders of our community who know better. So when you hear women like Maxine Waters and Patti LaBelle co-signing Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion and City Girls, right? And they, and they do it for a specific reason. And I mentioned this in the column, because we think that when people higher up on the social hierarchy, i.e. white people, degrade us, then that's oppression. But when we take over the family business and they say, no, hey, hey, Mr. White Man, I got it from here. I'm gonna be degraded myself from now on. Then that's empowerment. And we build entire industries off of that. We, we magnify, amplify, glorify, and commodify violence between black men and the degradation of black women. And then we turn around and say that this is empowerment. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, again, you get a young lady like Terika Starr who has all of the symptoms of junkie pox because she has been taught by the women and men who've come before her that this is how you get attention in America in, in 2022. So Jason, I think you know, our, our columns, again, are completely in sync and, and we have to do something about this because we won't have a black community in 50 years if we don't get this turned around. We'll have laments, we'll have complaints, we'll, we'll have booming DIE industries where the black elites go on to college, rack up debt, and then are able to sell self-loathing to white people who pay them, who pay black folk to tell them how racist they are, but the rest of the community will be in shambles. I, I, and we'll end on this note, Delano. I was out to dinner last night with the uh, CEO of The Blaze. We were having a very interesting conversation. I, I can't, he used a specific word that basically it was mimicking, but he used it, it was a bigger, broader word than mimicking, but it was talking about how there's studies and how kids actually, that people are being convinced that uh, well, these are just natural instincts that come from inside a human being and a child, and they're just born with them. And the reality is a child and human beings actually mimic the behavior they see from the people they're closest around and all the other outside influences. And so what you're talking about with this woman from FAMU is she's mimicking a behavior she that again she's been swept up because she's 23 24 years old just mm -hmm. just now graduating her whole culture has been immersed or she's been immersed in a culture that has sh taught her to mimic uh, the sexualization that that that's really the primary thing a black woman has to offer. And again, I'm seeing this, and this is why I keep explaining to people like, hey, what's going on with the left or what the puppet masters are doing with the black community? We're just the lab rats, the same plan. We're just first yeah. in, we're the guinea pigs, but they're applying this to the entire culture. And so that's why everybody, is starting to think their sexual identity yep. is the most important identity that they have. And that's why people are listing on their bios, I'm gay, I'm trans, I'm pansexual, I'm mm -hmm. X, Y, you know, I like it this way, I do it that, and it's like, I used to live in a time where 
no one, you didn't have, you didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a priority to tell people how you like to get down in the bedroom. It, it just right. wasn't, and now we've made it a priority to the point that a woman graduates from FAMU and says, let me jump out here butt neck and let everybody know uh, what I got to offer them sexually. It, it's, thank you, Delano. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Great job as always. Fabulous. Uh, let me tell you guys about Blaze Socks. The Blaze Patriotic Sock Packs are back. At the end of last year, we released a limited supply of Let's Go Brandon socks so you could wear your patriotism wherever you want it. Uh, they were comfortable, stylish, and best of all, worth a laugh. Well, you spoke and we listened. So back by popular demand, we have new limited edition socks just in time for the primaries and back to school shopping. There are two sock packages and stylish drink covers to keep your beverages cool and patriotic. If you can't decide which package to choose from, remember, this is America. You're going to always get both. If you buy both sock packages, we'll throw in a free bonus set of socks and an additional set of drink covers with a discount off the full purchase. Hurry, though. These are limited edition. Get them now at blazesocks.com before they're gone. For our Blaze TV subscribers, we want to thank you for your continued support. So we're sweetening the pot. Use promo code BLAZESUB for 20% off your purchase. That code is only available to Blaze TV subscribers. You must use the email address associated with your Blaze TV subscription to snag this discount. Not a subscriber? No problem. Subscribe to Blaze TV now and use the promo code Fearless Socks to save on both your Blaze TV subscription and get 20% off these limited edition socks. Go to blazesocks.com to scope out the socks, get a pair for a deserving dad, a grad, or that person who needs a pair of socks and a good laugh. All right, Shamika Michelle, we'll talk some more Beyonce, and we'll talk swim thick. You gotta see this swim thick stuff. It's gonna blow your mind and uh, probably hurt your eyes. Next. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to North Carolina and bring in Shamika Michelle. Uh, I need Shamika on a couple of different topics here. One, we'll start with Beyonce and Renaissance. And maybe Shamika knows what black queer bravado is. And uh, does, does, does Beyonce have black queer bravado? Is that what was dripping all over Renaissance? Well, I don't really know what black queer bravado is. First of all, let me tell you, Jason, your dykes with attitude almost took me out. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I do know that she has a lot of gay fans. And so this is supposed to be her, I guess, thank you to them. When I hear the words black queer bravado, I think about, yes, bitch, hey, just the over-the-topness, you know, I think about Drag Queen Story Hour. I think about men walking around thinking that trans women are women. And 
so I, you know, I don't really like, you know, the thought of it, but I do know she has a lot of queer fans or gay fans because uh, there are a lot of gays that don't like the term queer. So she has a lot of gay fans and that this is supposed to be some type of tribute to them. It's laced with uh, transgenders. There's a couple of songs that Big Frida is on and T.S. Madison, popular transgenders in the black community. It has a lot of writers that she has, has given room to. So it's just a real gay album. <laughs> wow. I did see, I've listened to the album, uh, I think either last night or part of it this morning, uh, trying to figure, cause when I read there's a black queer bravado, you know, what's Beyonce doing? I didn't, so it, it, it's been promoted as kind of a shout out to the to the black queer group or whatever, and so what I I, sh I should have called you. Earl, that is amazing that the the Aretha Franklin of her era has put out an album celebrating and a shout out to the black queer nation and and I guess Wesley Morris of the New York Times, I believe is part of that. You know, the, the other thing I found interesting is I think Wesley Morris uh, said the song Church Girl sounded like it was made in the Garden of Eden. And that made me go back and well, hold on, what did I listen, let me go listen to Church Girl. What did I miss? And that didn't sound like the Garden of Eden to me. If it was in the Garden of Eden, Jason, it was definitely sang by the serpent because it's evil. And I think that it's very disrespectful. And one of the things that bothers me is that Beyonce has always promoted herself as a Christian, you know, at least in her early years. And so I just think, why would you even celebrate the fact that there's so much promiscuity in the church? There's so much... Um, uh, they're, they're very hypocritical in the church. They claim to be living one way, but they're actually living a different way. It's, it's almost like it makes it okay. And I saw Tamar Braxton, who was raised in the church, who is the daughter of, of ministers, dancing around to this as if it was some sort of celebration, like this is the way church girls should behave. No, church girls should not be dropping it like a thotty. And so I just thought it was disrespectful and it, either you're gonna be one way or the other, you're gonna be in or out hot or cold. And so I did not like church girl, but I didn't like really any of the music at all. I think that it just promotes debauchery. When you listen to it, it's almost like you have to be high to enjoy it. Beyonce isn't even singing and she's a singer. To me, there's not one song on the album that would put you in the mind of Love on Top or any of her other ballads that I thought she did a good job on in her early years. This is trash to me. And you know, uh, big ups to the, the house, you know, music community. But I just didn't think this was a good representation of the artist that I know she's able to be. I didn't I didn't like any of it. You have to literally be on some type of pills to, to have a good time to it. I'm going to re reference back to again, I was out to dinner last night uh, with the CEO of the Blaze and we were long 
wide-ranging conversation. And one of the things, one of the points I made, I don't want to assign my thoughts to, to him. One of the points I made, because we got to talking about the Mormon church and, mm -hmm. and, and like the Mormon church, the results that it produces because they hold their members to a standard of behavior. You can get booted out of that church and there's all these rules and regulations. And, and I was thinking to myself and in our discussion, I was like, that's what's missing from the Christian church. Any rules, standards, consequences for disobeying uh, in any of this. And I know I'm off on a bit of a, of, of a tangent, but that's, that's what's missing in connecting the conversation I was just having with Delano and the conversation we're gonna have when we get to make it make sense. We just don't have any rules or standards. And, you, and the reason why perhaps is because the black church, the black Christian church doesn't have any. No, they don't. And I think at one time there used to be some, like I can remember, we didn't even want to really talk in church because we knew we could get in trouble or there were, you wouldn't say certain things on church grounds or in front of certain church people. Now they don't care. There used to be a time when if a, if a woman turned up pregnant and she was serving in the church, they would sit her down. If it was out of wedlock, she couldn't continue to serve. And the same thing for men. But now there's this particular church that I know for sure the head pastor has been in more than one adulterous relationship. His wife knows about it. There's also another church here where one of the leaders in the church who also directs the, the music ministry left his wife for a man. And the church has not said anything. He hasn't been set down. There's been no type of correction. And so you're right, Jason, the, the black church has dropped the ball and don't hold any type of standard anymore. They it's anything goes. And I think a lot of that comes from just wanting acceptance or wanting people's tithes and offering, but the standards have really gone down and it's disappointing. All right, uh, let's transition before we get to make it make sense. I want to transition to our approval rating on Beyonce. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, I don't like this album, Renaissance. Uh, I can't, so job performance, I'm not that high on for someone who is one of the all-time great performers, and she does have some great previous work. Uh, so I gave her a 15 in job performance because, you know, her her perform she's off right now. I gave her a 22, and I think you're you're right, Jason. You're more closer to it because for me, this album just sucks. But she is a good performer. I know that when she hits the stage, she sings, she dances, she keeps everyone, um, you know she keeps their attention. So I think she's a great performer. So I gave her a 22. Mm. Uh, character. Uh, I think she's part of a satanic cult, uh, and just needs to come on out of the closet with us. I gave her a two in character. I, I, I find very little, uh, high in character about Beyonce. She's her and Jay-Z are Satanists. 
I gave her a 17, Jason, and the only reason I did was because of her uh, philanthropy. So I feel like although she has sold her soul, there are people that benefit from the fact that she's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> so I gave her points for at least giving back to people less fortunate. Mm, all right, so she gives away money to cover up her satanic behavior or to uh, disguise her satanic behavior. I don't know. Authenticity, uh, I don't think she really hides that she's part of a satanic cult. She's married to Jay-Z, uh, <laughs> and she's, you know, her little symbols and hand gestures and clothing and all the choreographed stuff. So I, I find her a bit authentic. Uh, so I gave her a 10 in authenticity. And this is where I gave her a zero because I don't know what's real. Either she was lying then or she's lying now. And also it just makes me a little bit disappointed or upset that she is a married mother of three. And I don't understand why women who actually live the life that we promote on this show by getting married first and having children and allowing the children to be raised in two-parent households actually sing or rap messages of promiscuity to other Black women. So for me, she's not authentic, and I gave her a zero for that. Uh, it factor, I'm sure we agree here. Uh, she's still a smoke show. Uh, I gave her a 25. I don't, I don't know if you could have it more than Beyonce has. You know, Jason, honestly, I would have given her a really high score. However, in honor of Kevin Samuels, I rated her what he did. I gave her an eight. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> that was on a scale of one to 10 though, right? Yeah, yeah I eight? know, but the number, you know, stuck in my head. And so <laughs> in tribute to him, that's what I gave her. Kevin Samuels rated Beyonce an eight? Yes, Come he on, rated her. Nine, uh, one. one to ten, he said Beyonce would be an eight, Kelly Rowland would be a nine, and Rihanna would be a ten. That was that was his Kelly Rowland would be a nine? Yes. And he thinks Rihanna is hotter than Beyonce? Yes, mm. that's what he well, said. I can't speak bad of the dead, so I'm, I, I need to be careful <laughs> here. I'm a big Kevin Samuels fan. Kelly Rowland, a nine. Mm. Yeah, and she's hot. You got to look at her. Yeah, yeah she's, I'm, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, I'm, and it I'm, looks pretty natural. Ain't. Yeah, he's got it all wrong. Beyonce's the 10, <laughs> uh, Kelly Rowland's the nine, and Rihanna is the eight. And you know, I, I'm, I've been at the same hotel as I, I stood as close to Rihanna as you possibly can without getting arrested. We stayed at the same hotel in London once, and I saw her many times in the lobby or whatever. A lot of forehead on Rihanna. I'll just. I'll Maj just is going to be jealous. That's his um, <laughs> dream woman. Oh, all right. Uh, so uh, I have. Uh, we both have Beyonce at candlelit, a fifty-two and a 47, so uh, we can move on from our approval rating and get to, and this may take me a little time to unpack. Before this morning when I told you, had you ever heard of Swim Thick? I had never heard of it until I saw the video a day or two ago. 
Okay, so uh, let me unpack this for the audience. Uh, I believe, from the best of my ability to investigate, Swim Thick uh, started in Houston, and it's basically a pool party for fat people. Uh, and it seems to be a pool party for fat black people. Uh, I've never been invited. Uh, I, I don't know why. I don't think I would attend. But this first caught my eye. We're going to play first a little short 20-second, 19-second clip from Twitter. I think I forget the guy's name, Taylor Gomez or something like that. I, I can't remember. But he put out, this is how Swim Thick got on my radar. Oh, we're not playing the music? You can't hear, <laughs> yeah, you can't. Basically, the music part of it is some rap song that's just the N-word, N-word, and so you got all these fat people in the pool shouting the N-word. And, and I'm like, okay, this is my introduction to Swim Thick. That's 2022. Uh, and then, so, I went on the internet and found, there's a website promoting Swim Thick. This is a big annual event that's almost kind of like, uh, what was the event? Freaknik. It's Swim Thick is the, is the Freaknik for fat people. Uh, <laughs> the Freaknik for fat people. And so I found this video of someone doing a recap of the 2018 uh, Swim Thick. Uh, so let's, let's play all these. There's like three different clips that from this recap of the 2018 Swim Thick that'll give you a taste of what the event is like. Show Big Homie Kodak, and as you can hear and see, we are still at the Swim Thick Pool Party 2018. And I have my girlfriend for the next two hours. <laughs> Francie, we are here. Francie, what's going on? Okay, okay. So tell me the inspiration behind the Swim Thick brand and everything y'all doing for the past four years. Well, I'm a designer. Um, I've been designing for Swim Thick. Um, I have a clothing line, so I design swimsuits, dresses. The name of the swimsuits is Swim Thick. Um, I definitely like to motivate and inspire women of all shapes, all sizes, to just love themselves, embrace themselves, no matter how slim thick they are or thick thick they are. Just come Swim Thick. This party is open for everybody, and just come enjoy yourself and have a great time. And it's clearly a success because this is the fourth time that they're doing it. Yes. And as you can see, she is <laughs> feet, feet. Feet, feet. Feet, feet. Look at her. Oh, let's turn around for her. No, no. <laughs> she classy. Oh, she classy. I'm classy. 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 So mm. Yeah. Well, that's thick, 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 thick. Right there. <laughs> thick, 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 thick. Yeah, and it's... Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, pretty debaucherous. I hope that, uh, oh yeah, there, there's thick, 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 thick. <laughs> yeah, there's tall and thick, and perhaps trans uh, <laughs> as well. Oh, thick, 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 thick is, uh, yeah. Getting that water at your own uh, risk. <laughs> I can't believe I've never been invited to Swim Thick. Should I be offended that I've never been invited to Swim Thick? I mean, I can't say that I would go. Yeah, I don't think you should feel any type of way because you weren't invited. You said this was a big deal, and 
it was probably no pun intended, but you are absolutely right. I'm pretty sure when all of that diabetes got out of the water, it was syrup. <laughs> I hope they played nice and smooth because as I was watching it, all I could hear was Orca was a great big whale. I knew a fat girl who broke the scale. You won't tell you. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And, you know, I don't want to... Uh, come down too hard on the women that are actually just really thick, but you can't overlook those that are obese. And if you talk about loving yourself, doesn't loving yourself include actually taking care of the body that you were given? I go to the gym, Jason, not because I like it, but because it's the, the healthy thing to do. So I don't like that whole, we love ourselves. Well, if you love yourself, you know, make sure you are doing something about the eating and the exercise. And I'm tired of them deflecting, saying, oh, we're skinny people can be unhealthy, uh, unhealthy too. That's true. But we're talking about you and your BMI being too much. It's this whole body positivity movement is a joke. It's, it's like what you're doing is trying to convince people to lie to themselves. Mm -hmm. And I say that as a person who has struggled with their weight and prime candidate for swim thick uh, <laughs> invitations. Uh, but there's a reason why I'm doing everything and, you know, failed, but have always tried to do anything to lose weight that I can. I'm having success now. I don't understand why we think it's a positive to convince these guys that, hey, you should be positive about being 150 pounds overweight. And, and you should be positive about shortening your lifespan. You should be positive. Because again, it, to me, it feels like, because I watched a lot of the videos, looked at a lot of the pictures, I'm like, these guys have to be high on drugs to come and be this overweight and and to put a smile on your face and and to pretend like everything's okay when you know damn well it's not okay and and the whole this all wraps together with the conversation i'm having with delano or, or whatever it's just like this whole movement among black women to justify virtually everything that will kill you. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm looking at, like, this is like a death cult of, mm -hmm. of, hey, instead of everybody gathering at a Weight Watchers convention and try to prevent death, no, let's go to a pool, get drunk on alcohol, sugary alcohol, I'm sure, uh, and, and pretend like everything's okay while we all shorten our lives and die, and we all gonna have to go home and we're gonna be depressed because when you uh, roll into that bed uh, and you're all by yourself and there's no cameras on it, you're not happy 100, 150 pounds overweight. And, and I, I, I just, the, the whole thing just, again, I go, but people say I use the words satanic too often. But that's all I see is like everything they're promoting to black people will kill us. Be yeah, positive we, about being. Uh, 
150 pounds overweight, die, is basically what they're shouting. Right. We celebrate death, death culture, Jason, and, and being obese in the gang culture that we push, in the music that we push, the promiscuity. We celebrate death culture. And I don't know why we keep lying to ourselves as, as if we don't, but we turn a blind eye to it. And one of the things Delano said earlier was that we really could have stopped this or spoke out against it in the 90s, but we didn't. And that's why we are here here now but we celebrate death culture and for those pe the men or the people that are promoting this i'm sure it's a money maker because we like delusion in our community so it's easy to lie to women you know and why not if you're gonna gain a couple of dollars from it you you'll do it and sell your own community out we do it with everything else we make a couple of dollars on the music that we push to kids that are telling them to go out here and shoot someone for stepping on their sneakers or shoot somebody because they disrespected you we make dollars off of that as well so we have no problem making money off something that we know is unhealthy for our community we do it all the time. Thank you, Shamika. You made it make sense for me. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for playing along. Uh, we'll see you later in the week. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at shopblazemedia.com uh, slash fearless. All right, I've got some fearless words on Bill Russell. It's my obligation on hate discrimination raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, gonna wrap up the show uh, with a comment here about Bill Russell, uh, the Boston Celtics great, 11-time NBA champion, one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He passed away, I believe, on Sunday. Uh, people asked me uh, about why we didn't comment on this on yesterday's show, and, and I'm going to explain why, uh, but I wanna start with and, and I don't do this uh, to denigrate or mock uh, or to bring any disparagement on Skip Bayless, but I want to start with Skip Bayless pointed out something yesterday on his show Undisputed with Shannon Sharp about LeBron James not offering any kind of public comment over Twitter, over social media about Bill Russell. And so let's play that clip, and that's going to be my jumping off point. So before I expand on what you just said, quick point of order. So Jeannie retweets the video, the audio of Kobe talking about Mr. Russell's passing, or not about his passing, but about him and, and what he conveyed to Kobe. And what surprised me was, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm not sure LeBron posted anything. I don't think so either. And, and I was surprised by that. So now we're back to Jeannie keeps harking back to Kobe, but this would have been a nice moment where Jeannie could have retweeted what LeBron said because he's now the face of her franchise. And so people criticized uh, Skip Bayless for pointing this out on his TV show. Bill Russell passes. Why does Skip use it as an opportunity to go after LeBron? And, and, and I get that criticism. It's a fair point, but I could care less. I'm going to take a stab, and, and I want to say uh, initially, I want to make sure I could be very wrong here. 
about what I'm going to suggest about LeBron James and why he hasn't seemingly put out some social media post about Bill Russell. Maybe something was going on. LeBron has tweeted since Bill Russell passed and has had every opportunity as the spokesman, as the most prominent player in the NBA, to put out something over social media commenting on Bill Russell. Uh, and again, my speculation on this could be wrong, but I'm just offering you a theory on why LeBron didn't take to Twitter and put out an immediate comment on Bill Russell. Just my speculation. Bill Russell is a very mean-spirited individual. Bill Russell treated people really, really poorly. I know all of the media is celebrating Bill Russell and he's this great activist and he's obviously a great champion. Uh, but my speculation is that LeBron's interactions with Bill Russell were not good and LeBron's not being phony and fake and going to run out here on social media and act like he and Bill Russell were all warm and fuzzy. Who knows? Maybe they were. Maybe LeBron just couldn't find the right words. Maybe he's so devastated and that's why he didn't. Who knows? Again, I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm using LeBron as a jumping off point to say that, <clears throat> and, and I want to be careful because I don't want to dishonor someone that passed, but the media is not telling the full story of Bill Russell. B Bill Russell was a very angry, very mean-spirited person to anybody who couldn't help him, who didn't benefit him. And, and, and I know I say that, and I, I'm, for a long time I was friends with Jim Brown, and Jim Brown and Bill Russell were close, and people that have an affinity for Bill Russell and respect for Bill Russell, I'm not saying this to hurt their feelings, and I don't want to get crossways with Jim Brown or anybody, but I am just going to keep it real that Bill Russell, not a great guy. And so if LeBron James is like, you know what, I'm not going to get out here on social media and act like everything was warm and fuzzy with me and Bill Russell because with a lot of the people that are out saying all these great things about Bill Russell, he didn't treat him well. And his energy, and again, this is my, I see Bill Russell as um, the antithesis. Again, I don't want to draw Jim Brown into this, but I just got to keep it real from my perspective. He's the antithesis of Jim Brown. Jim Brown is the greatest athlete slash activist in the history of America. Jim Brown is everything that they're trying to make Bill Russell out to be. Jim Brown built an organization called Amera I Can and has worked with uh, at-risk uh, gang members in Los Angeles and helped so many people. If, if the long, long list of people that Jim Brown welcomed into his home and helped along their journey is incredible. It's incredible, and, and 
famous people to guys with long rap sheets. Jim Brown is everything they're saying that Bill Russell was and is or was. And so I'm going to be very interested uh, when Jim, and hopefully Jim lives another 20, 30 years, but I hope that people tell the truth about Jim Brown and all these glorifying words that are being said about Bill Russell. And yeah, Bill Russell did some things and he made some nice gestures. He's the king or he's the pioneer of gestures. He went to the Cleveland summit supporting uh, Muhammad Ali. It's a nice gesture. A lot, Jim Brown organized that. Uh, a lot of athletes did, but again, it, it's does, does supporting Muhammad Ali at that time, how, does that really help the great masses of people? Or is it just a nice gesture? It's a nice picture. It's a nice moment. But when you're someone like Jim Brown that went and built an organization that helped thousands of black men in Los Angeles, and again, Jim's impact and his help that he offered to so many people, famous and unfamous, bringing them into this home, being a mentor, counseling them, the list goes on and on and on and on and on forever. You won't hear that about Bill Russell. You'll hear about gestures. You'll hear, oh, he did a camp uh, after Medgar Evers dies, uh, died, a uh, integrated camp. You'll hear a uh, story about small gestures, and I'm not diminishing those, but they're not what Jim Brown does, and it doesn't, it's not worthy of the level of celebration we're giving him and acting like, uh, you know, he's Jim Brown. And because basically he's the role model for all these woke fake athletes uh, that are out there now that are into gestures and small deeds that have little to virtually no impact on the great mass of black people that they claim they're representing. And then, and the last point I'll make, and I know I'm gonna get killed for this, but I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. Uh, the other thing where I say uh, Bill Russell, a role model uh, for all these current athletes, Bill Russell is the king of love the fruit, hate the tree. After marrying his high school or college sweetheart, uh, Bill Russell married three consecutive younger white women uh, and started with, I think, Miss America or Miss USA was the first one. And this was like back in the 70s or whatever in that little short three or four year marriage. She was 15 years younger than him, I believe. Then his next white wife was 16 years younger than him. And then this last one was 33 years younger than him. And, and I bring this up not because I have any problem with any person dating outside their race. I don't. I've done it. May do it again. I don't have a problem with it. But you're never going to see me or anybody I respect running around taking a dump on white people and then sleeping with white people. Not going to happen. I'm going to be more authentic than that. I'm not going to run around. I'm not going to allow people to run around. Oh, I love the fruit, but I hate the tree. And so I am aware that Bill Russell experienced some things as an athlete in Boston 
that weren't ideal and some of it racist, including uh, vandals breaking into his house and spray painting the N-word, and I, I get it. But he also experienced a lot of great things. The owner of the Boston Celtics treating him incredibly well. Red Auerbach, the, the team president, general manager coach, treating him incredibly well, basically building an all-black roster around Bill Russell, making him the first uh, major sports, first black major sports professional head coach while he was still a player. Go back to uh, Bill Russell's high school coach, another white dude that Bill Russell swears by. And so to spend a great deal of his life pretending like he had all this animus towards white people and taking a dump on the city of Boston and their fans and, and just, you know, I, he wouldn't go to his Hall of Fame ceremony originally. He wouldn't go to his Jersey retirement ceremony in Boston. It's an angry dude. And uh, the truth is not being told about him. And I'm sorry that I, I'm the one. He did some incredible things on the basketball court. He's the greatest competitor, winner, perhaps in sports history. Hats off to him, give him all that credit. But this activist and humanitarian and credit to society, it's all garbage. It's not, it's not true. And, and people know it. And if I get killed for telling the truth about Bill Russell, I, I guess I deserve And look, I read one of Bill Russell, I think it was called Second Wind, read one of his biographies or autobiographies, uh, and had an affinity. Uh, for Bill Russell when I was younger, but the more I got to know and the more I read and the more I learned Like cut it out man Love this fruit, but won't run around and build a brand off hating the tree T America's more complicated than that and so is Boston and what happened to you as an athlete and the way you were treated and celebrated and cultures built around you with the Boston Celtics taking a dump on the whole city of Boston and all their fans because of their, I'm, there's idiots in every city. So I'll probably get killed for this, but I don't care. It's the truth. Play tomorrow. Hopefully I'll see you tomorrow. People ain't too mad at me. Freedom, look for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want, I want to be, I just want, I want to be.